Let me tell you, writing something on a piece of paper and how your software is going to work is a hell of a lot different than trying to sell it. And then you got to support it. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Campfire Capitalism. I am your host, Desmond Dixon. And today I have my man, Mr. Michael Herrera, with me as my guest. And this guy is a business expert. He's a CEO of MHA Consulting, uh, BCM Metrics, Michael Herrera Family Foundation, and the host of the Grind It Out podcast. This guy's mindset and his energy is infectious. So I'm, I'm warning you now, if you're driving, keep your eyes on the road. Okay. Cause we're going to have a lot of fun on the pod today, man. So welcome to the pod, Mike. Desmond, thank you so much. I look forward to it. Let's, let's get going and let's tell people what they can do about being an entrepreneur today. Boom, boom, boom. So before we, we dive into the secrets and, and, and all the fun sauce, just kind of give us an idea of like your journey. Cause you have a really impressive career. And I think it's, I think we need to definitely let the audience know like who the heck Mike is. So just kind of give us an idea who, how did Mike become Mike, man? Absolutely. You know, it all goes back to my mom and my dad. And I tell you, my dad was a true self-made man, World War II veteran. You know what? Only had a sixth grade education, but I got all my business background from my dad. And my dad put me to work at the age of 12 at at his Shell gas station. Little did I know everything he was teaching me about being an entrepreneur, being a salesperson, all of those things came from him. So when I became, when I started to become an entrepreneur, I used to wonder, how am I going to sell? How am I going to keep my business running? I had already learned it. I had learned from my dad and all the simple things of being kind to people, building a relationship, which all ends up being successful business sales and all those things you want to have as, again, your character and your integrity. As my dad used to say, that's the most valuable form of currency you have is who you are and what people know you stand by your word. Boom. I think that's not really talked about the integrity and reputation because it's it takes a long time to build it and you can lose it so quick. Yes. Yes. And I watched him do that so diligently that over the years, you know, you just learn this is how you become successful. It, it, yes, you need education. Yes, you need business experience. But in the end, it comes down to who you are and do people trust you. Mm-hmm. So if there's, if there's anyone out there, let's say they have a certain plateau in their business, maybe they have a few sales. Um, or, you know, they're at a consistent revenue for the last few years, which is actually pretty common. Some people get stuck yes. at the 150 mark, the 350 mark, right? Because it's right, because you have to put processes and systems and teams, and it's yes. just a whole nother level, depending on, I guess, your, 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 your value prop. So, how did you get through like your first entrepreneurial plateau, right? Like, talk to me about that moment. You know, I think there were some things that were driving me to get through that plateau, some were very personal, right? I'll tell you what drove me through my first plateau. I was going through a divorce. My son was less than a year old. I had alimony. I had child support. I had lawyer's bills and I had to keep myself going. You want to tell me, you want to tell you something that really drove me to be successful and work almost 24 hours a day? That drove me through that first plateau, which was, can I build a repeatable business that'll allow me to support myself and keep my head above water? And that was so key. That really drove me to get to that point where, you know what? I have to implement everything today. And it had to be done quickly. I didn't have a lot of time to have 100% of the information. Go out there, get it done. And if it doesn't work, figure it out and do it again. So that really drove me to cross that first plateau that, you know what? When I got through that first plateau, I know I could do it. I know I could do it. Because there's always those stages you want to get to now where I'm at, where guess what? 
I know we're going to have business. I know people know us. We're known not just domestically, but globally. But that didn't happen in year one, year two, year five. And I think the other thing that drove me to the plateau, I've always been driven that I, failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. So I'm always looking, who's going to, who's trying to get me? Who's trying to pass me? So that always keeps me going each and every day to reach new levels of, of capability, success, revenue. Hmm. Ooh, while we're talking about revenue, man, let's talk about sales, right? Because we love yes. talking about sales at the campfire. So talk to me about like your selling process and how that mindset amplifies that sales process. I tell you, you know what took me so long to really become a good salesperson over time? Just listen. Just listen to what the what your customer or your prospective customer needs, number one. I think a lot of times when you first start your business, you're so excited to tell the customer, hey, I can do one, I can do two, I can do three things for you. Listen to what they want. Listen more than you talk. So that you really begin to understand what they need. You begin to build that one-on-one relationship with them. And you really then say, this is what I can offer because I now understand what they really want. How do I make sure I provide that? And most importantly, you become their trusted advisor. Because I will tell you, one of the great things you learn, especially in our business and others, you're a commodity like everyone else. So how do I separate myself? Listen, understand their needs, and build what they need for them and become that trusted advisor. So when all hell breaks loose in the economy and things go bad, they hold on to you. And that is so key. But also be very fair. Never undersell yourself. Always make sure you charge a rate that's fair for what you do. Don't, As my dad used to say, don't be cheap on yourself. Make sure you're charging <laughs> for what you're worth. Do not be afraid. That took me a lot of t- years to get to that as well. But most importantly, know your customer, listen, truly understand what they need, and then provide them with what they want. And not just today, but build, for example, uh, we always have tried over the years, how long can we hold a client? Our average client retention is five years, five years. And then wherever they go, guess who they call? Wherever they leave that company, they call us. That it all comes back to how we build that initial sales process over time with them. Man, I think that brings so much true because the sales process doesn't end at the transaction. Like it's oh. always, always sales price because you're just providing value and you're, it's like you're giving them a reason not to leave, right? Because you're exactly right. I'm going to tell you, there's times we've had clients, we sell the business and then we all look at each other's now. Now, what the hell are we going to do, right? We just, <laughs> you're like, we got the customer and it just, it all starts all over again. Close the business. Now it, everything really starts. Yeah, man, that's super powerful. So talk to me a little bit about the power of, uh, I think a, a secret in business is referrals, right? Yes. And word of mouth. I think that that's the engine that gets you from that start phase to really building that reputation yes. that we talked about earlier. So talk to me about like how much referrals play like a critical role in you building your businesses and um, you know kind of what you see in other entrepreneurs you know as, as oh you've my been gosh. for a while. Referrals is everything guys. Referrals is everything. You know there's a gentleman that works for me he was a senior executive at another company now here's what's interesting a lot of the people that work for me they I used to work for them right? And here's one of the things he brought to me this tip. He always said Michael we want to have a 100% plus referenceable client list. And because I will tell you, you know how quick that closes business where you can just say, how many references do you need? You need one? You need three? Let me give them, let me just quickly, here they are. Give them a call. You want every client you've ever had to say, you know what? I'll hire hire those guys. And you'd be wrong not to. Referrals is everything. Now, just be prepared. They don't happen overnight. And, they, and make sure you, you, here's the other thing. 
Make sure you know those people are going to give you a good reference. Make sure. It's kind of like when people ask me for a recommendation. Did you ask me, do I want to give you a recommendation? Make sure those people that you want to, that you have as referrals, they will mean everything, not just today because they were a recent customer. You may need to call them three years from now for a referral. And once you begin to get those referrals, they know other people who know other people. It will drive your business. That's where MHA and BCM metrics is now. Because every as big as the, the business world is, it's really small when it comes down to, do you know somebody good to do something? So remember that when you're working at customers, do ever mess up a referral because it can cost you big, not just today, into the future. Mm, I mean, you're... <laughs> Man, that's so good because well, you said it's a small world. It's so small because you're in a very specific niche solving yes. a very specific problem. If you have yes. a you know really good solid solid business, and yes. so and the referrals can kind of go against you. I guess the opposite side of it is when you don't do well, and now people are saying, "Don't go that way, right? Do not go so that it's way. Costing yes. you that way. Protect your referrals. You know the other thing I'll say about your referrals: don't overuse them." You know, because people might say, hey, I need another reference. Don't ever overuse your references. When people give us references, A, I always check. And B, we always send them a thank you handwritten note. Thank you for taking your time to be our reference. Or even just a phone call. Thank you so much. Because you want them to know that, hey, I'm just not using you to get business. I'm, I thank you and I appreciate it. Love it. All right. So I got to ask you about this ready, fire, aim concept that, yes. you know, you, you was talk, telling me about. So just kind of break it down to the audience real quick. What is ready, fire, aim? And like, how does it relate to business? Absolutely. You know, and I will tell you, this is a funny part. When I was still at Bank of America and working a regular eight to five job, man, I was one of those people. I had to have 100% of the information. I took forever to get things done. It was amazing. When I became an entrepreneur, you quickly realized I don't have time to have 100% of the information. And you know what? You can't wait to be 100% perfect. So we came upon this concept of ready, fire, aim, where it was, you know what? Yes, we plan. Yes, we strategize, but it may not be perfect. Get it out there. Go ahead, get ready, and then shoot it. See what happens. If it goes great, you keep going. If it isn't, you bring it back. And then you know what? You come back and ready, fire, aim, and then you come back and say, let's re-aim. Let's figure out what happened. But guys, as an entrepreneur, you don't have time to waste. Do your best getting ready. Shoot it out there and then come back and aim and say, how did, hey, did we hit the right errors or did we not? How do we fix it? And let's do it again. Man, that's that landed. So <laughs> because it's like it's almost like you're doing a bunch of experiments in a way, yes. right? especially when you're, you're always trying different things. So it's like, okay, what did the data tell me? And okay, let me recalibrate. I know either that worked really well or that did not work. <laughs> Nowhere near that I thought it worked, how it was supposed and, to work. And it's like, then ask yourself why. Right. Absolutely. And you know, this is one of the biggest things I see with fellow colleagues. They'll always say, Hey, I want to start a consulting firm, right? So you'll help them. You come back six months later, they haven't even, they're still stuck at ready. And you're like, there's no way you're going to get to success. You got to do ready, throw it out there, fire it, come back and reset. And if it worked well, not, or fix it and go again. Otherwise you'll be Man. stuck where you were. Yeah. I've done probably a couple thousand sales calls and I, you, there's, there's usually a couple different camps entrepreneurs or business owners fall into. Uh -huh. Like I call it the dark room syndrome when you, you sit in the dark room and you're scheming about the strategies. Like, I think I needed, like, you're just always tweaking something, but you never yes. show anybody what you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> and you have the people who are like, I'm just 
exploring opportunities, you know, they'll sell, you know, they, 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 yes. they build it based in the market, which you, I guess you talked about earlier today, yes. right? Like yes. building the market and you can tell based upon the results, which, you know what I mean? Like it, the results to make sense, because if it takes you nine months to release a product too late, and you haven't shown yeah, Like even if it's an amazing product, you're so have so much sunk cost in it with time. Yes then it's going to be hard to pivot because you invested so much into it already, right? Without even proving the concept. Um, and, and, as you go become, you know, longer and longer as an entrepreneur, it even excites you more where you're like, okay, man, I think we got 60%. Let's just go. And you're not worried yeah. anymore that it could just totally flop. And people say, what the heck were you thinking? But at least we've made progress instead of waiting. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, man. I love it. Ready, fire, aim. I'm going to take that one for sure. Um, all right. One more, one more, Max. And then we're on fire right now. So talk to me about a little bit about taking risk, right? And I want you to tell me a story. I want you to tell me a story of, of, of you and your entrepreneurial journey when you took a risk that either went well or went or did not go well. Oh, yeah. You know, we've taken a lot of risk. You know, I will take probably the biggest risk because I was, because not only the consulting world, right? That's one aspect. But then I've got the software world. Right. So we have BCM metrics, which is a tool set we developed to support us and then become now to become a subscriber. Right. And here, this was probably one of the biggest risks I ever took, even though I was a programmer in a former life. Let me tell you, writing something on a piece of paper and how your software is going to work is a hell of a lot different than trying to sell it. And then you got to support it. That's when you know what? The rubber hits the road. That was one of the, the biggest risks I ever took. When we're running it for our consulting, is a lot different when you're running it for subscribers. And I remember when we had to go out and sell, that was probably one of the biggest risks I ever took because now I'm charging a dollar amounts for pieces, a piece of software. Is it going to work right? Are the customers going to like it? Are we going to have so many problems the thing isn't going to work? That was one of the biggest, probably I would say, nerve wracking times in my life to putting it out there, seeing it if anybody would buy it, and then they pay you for what you want for it. Now it's got to make sure it works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I will tell you the first times, did it work perfectly? No. We had things go wrong. Things were major, minor, but it was the best risk. Now, sometimes my application team and I laugh when we go back and look at those nightmares that were like, but we got through it. And it came back to that whole thing of ready, fire, aim. Hey, the app was 80% there. Okay, we'll fix the other 20%. And now guess what? It runs seamlessly. But I would say, did it go perfect the first time? No. We could have been a really simple and said, you know what? It's not going to work. Let's just stop. But look where we're at today. Now it's being used worldwide. But you got to be willing. So many people, the reason people don't become successful, they're afraid to take risk. It's that simple. You know? Mm. Uh, you know, you're only one failure away from success. You got to take the risk first. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. <laughs> All right, I got to ask you selfishly because it's my question for me, right? Um, right. I'm a risk taker. And yes. I feel like sometimes I catch myself not knowing when to fold and when to double down, right? Yeah. So I'm just curious to hear like your perspective or, your, or some knowledge bombs from you. Like, how do you know when to double down and when to hang it up when it comes down to like when you take a risk? Is it based upon what desired outcome that you're looking for, maybe pre-work, or is it like an intuition thing, or is it dynamic where you know it just depends on the situation? And you know, I'm just super, super curious to kind of hear your thoughts. That's a great question because you know what? Um, again, I'm a risk taker. You love to take risks, right? Some people think you're crazy, right? But you know what? It all comes in most of the time. 
What I simply look back and say, okay, is this risk going to completely destroy my business or me or my, my ability for my family to survive? Is it, you know, half, half the time, 99% of the time, it's not. So I go with it. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm stupid, you know, because you don't want to double down sometimes. And guess what? The, the business is blown away. You know, you, you end up with significant issues. So number one, I always say, this risk I'm going to take, what's it going to do to me personally and financially and with my business? If it doesn't have any significant impact, then other than, hey, we may lose a little, Let's move on. Then you just begin to look at it from then a more of what are the odds of us making it, right? So, and here's the thing. A lot of times people, when they become successful, they become tighter. Some people become tighter and they're more afraid to take risks, right? You can't be that way, but use some analysis like what's it going to do to me first, personally financing the business, then take a look at what are the odds of us making it? Take a look at that. And if over time you say, you know what? 60% says we're good. Let's go. Don't wait for a hundred. It's like I tell people that first come to work for me, your mistakes will get better over time. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. And so, um, okay, let's go a little deeper in this because this is a really good subject is risk. Um, mm -hmm. So let's just say like, okay, so I like how you said that, okay, is this going to take me out of business? Is this going to affect right. my family's affect my livelihood? Right. If no, then continue. Um I want to ask access. I want to ask this very specifically. Um, okay. All right. So I feel like sometimes like perception is everything, right? And mm -hmm. maybe a big risk or, or a big risk to me might be a small risk to someone else. Yeah, it's all right? relative. Yeah. So how, yeah. Yeah. So like, how can you calibrate your risk to make sure that you're actually actually playing on it. Like, is there like, I know when I, like, I know for me, I guess my caliber, like, you know, I know that I'm in alignment is if it's kind of like scary, but also stretchy, like it feels somewhat unattainable, but it's obtainable. And right. then like, how does competency and then building the right teams and like being honest with yourself important in terms of like the risk-taking process? See, okay. There's two things I would consider here. Number one, when you're looking at, should I do it or not? Take a really, what's the total cost of that decision if I make it? What's the total cost, not just today, but into the future? Most of the time, what you find is that total cost isn't as great as the potential success you can reach. Okay. And then number two, I'll tell you, people always say, well, I want a goal. And, you know, some people may tell them, well, man, Desmond, you've lost your mind, man. That goal is ridiculous. Sometimes the easiest goals to reach are those that sound absolutely crazy because you got nothing to lose. You got nothing to lose. So, I always look, I, then I always go back, well, really, what's the total cost of this decision that I, a risk that I want to take? 99% of the time, that total cost isn't that significant. Take the risk and then you know what? Go. And here's the other thing that goal that you may seem unattainable, you're afraid to take. What if you get 90% to that goal, 80% to that goal versus sitting back and going, oh man, I'll never get there? So that's mm -hmm. kind of how I also look at it. But I think it's great, like yourself, taking a look at those goals. Other people may tell you you're out of your mind. Got to go for it, man. Unattainable goals are usually the easiest to, to reach a lot of times. Got nothing to lose. Dude, I feel like I want to run through a wall talking to you, man. Your energy. I love it. <laughs> if you're driving, by the way, keep your eyes on the road, okay? Keep your eyes on the road, okay? <laughs> this is great. So, hey, man, um, before, we, before we wrap up here, because this is a yep. great interview, um, I guess just tell us, like, what your businesses are. Uh, I think the audience would be kind of curious. Right. I know I'm super Absolutely. curious. Tell us about your businesses and, and we might have a couple of follow-ups to that. Absolutely. So um, 
first company is MHA Consulting. I started this firm in 99. Our whole mission is real simple. Ensure our clients' critical business and technology operations keep running in a disaster. That disaster can be a natural disaster. It can be a human-based disaster, like a cyber attack, uh, or it can be a techno, you know, it can be natural, human, or technological. One of those three, right? And our whole job is to companies of all sizes, from as small as 100 employees to 50,000 employees across the globe. The second company I run is BCM Metrics. As you well, consulting, we needed software. We built and designed our own software. And it was only used initially for us. Now, guess what? It's a suite of software. Software as a service. We now don't use it for us, but we sell it across the globe as well. So those two companies work together. And that's how we run our business today. Man, that's impressive because the scope from... I see why you said it's a huge risk because go from service to software yes. is hard, man. It is tough. I know a lot it of is. entrepreneurs who try to make that leap and... Because it's an entirely different sales process. It's an entirely yes. different service, like support process than consulting. Um, it's a different price point. Um, yeah. So, so that was impressive. So, man, I got, I got, I got, I got a follow up question to that because okay. uh, I, I got to ask you this. So, how long did it take you to shift, or what was the biggest difference from the sale, like selling it? Wow. Like, obviously, like if you sell the software, not to your consulting clients. Right. So are you using like a licensing model or is it directly to end user? And if it is directly to end user, um, is it like, tell me about like the difference between that you notice in the selling process from service-based and software-based. Like what was the, it's like, the two totally different things because a lot of times in the, in, you know, on the service side, it's really relationship and, and, you know, how do we know each other? And you start a, this relationship and you may start small and you grow big. Software side, a lot of times, you know, I'm getting the tech guys. They just want to know, does it do one, two, three? What's the cybersecurity? What's it going to cost me? Uh, it's a whole different selling cycle, right? And, and it's a whole different set of questions you may get asked. How do you demo it is a whole nother process. Can, you know, you got to really know how my, what's my process going to look like when somebody calls to demo? What type of demo do I need to give? How do I follow up? And then you close them. How do you keep them being a, a client? You know, they don't just fall mm -hmm. off the end of the earth. It's totally different. And then you just got to make sure you got to be have on the back end. If all hell breaks loose in your software, you better be ready to support it. Mm -hmm. But it is too yeah. totally different. Yeah. A last I think thing I'll mention is, go ahead. No, 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 go for it. You're the guest, man. The last thing I want to mention is, let me tell you, there's no perfect guide on how to price your software. There's no formula that says, if it does this, you need to charge this per year. You don't know. So it is, I'm going to tell you that there's no simple way either. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen people use price escalation, obviously from that rent phase up. Right. Yes. You know, I've seen that work once they like get the kinks out and all that. Right. Um, you know, you hit the nail on the head because you said like, I think the biggest, yeah, the selling process, you, you obviously will find that perfect touch and that repeatable right. process, selling process. But the money thing that I've seen a lot of the dudes uh, struggle with was the back end, like keeping the clients because in the services, like you said, you can have a two to five LTV, right? right? Two years, two years with a client, right. right? Two to five. And it's high ticket at that usually, right? Exactly. And it's customizable to a certain degree. Right. <laughs> right? Right. Software is like everyone's fitting in this little widget and you got to keep, even if you have a really good product, if your product's amazing, sometimes they might. It depends on like how your design or what like the process, but I've seen some right. guys 
their software literally took themselves out of business because it was like, like they got what they need yeah. out of it and they, they churned. They didn't churn because it was bad. They churned because it was like, all right, I'm done with this. It's the, through the toilet, exactly. right? To a toilet, right? Like, so, uh, yeah. So, strategy. Um, and you said ready, fire, and just shoot your shot and obviously, obviously pivot and, and make the business sustainable. Yes. Um, so, before we wrap up, man, one last question. What's something that you want to leave with the audience, something actionable that they could do? Um, to you know, see some immediate results. So what's one of your favorite little things to drop on people at conferences? I always tell people. I always tell people real simple. If you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter what road you take. So, guys, step back, sit down by yourself in a room with a piece of paper, figure out who you are and what road you want to take, and then number two, build a freaking routine you can use every week. And I will tell you, you will, that one percent improvement every day will get you to where you want to be quicker, quicker than I'll tell you, than sooner than you think. Boom. That's a key. Run with that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm guessing you have a podcast, right? Tell us about, about your podcast. So if people want to, you know, listen to more about what you got going on. Yeah. Talk to us about, talk to us about your podcast. So I've got grinded out podcast, which is more of a motivational site. Cause I also have a, a charity foundation. So I do a lot of motivational speaking to kids. So go out to the grinded out podcast. You'll see that you'll see out there. You can subscribe to it just day to day. I'm, I'm real. I'm not going to blow smoke. This is the real deal. You either want to do it or you don't. How do you move forward? In the end, it just comes down to take a, a step every day. Take a step every day to progress. That's the key. And don't be afraid. <laughs> Sick. So, hey, guys, check out his pod. I love this interview. I mean, this guy's energy is infectious. Um, we'd love to have you, Michael. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Desmond, thanks so much, man. Awesome. So, guys, you made it to the end. You just gave us the most precious resource on the planet, which is your time. And we are so grateful for that. Thanks for sharing some, some game with us at the campfire. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Cheers.